Hmm. Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show, the show about everything that is bad and ugly in the NFC East. I forgot the tag again. Williams, <laughs> how's your offseason going? It's going okay. That feels like deja vu now that you did that. <laughs> well, we only do this once every like six weeks or whatever. I yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to write it down. Just It's horribly unprofessional. <laughs> three, three words. <laughs> Add an All right. Uh, we're here because the NFL draft is next week. And uh, I don't think... I don't want to speak for you, man, but I, I don't think it's that much of a secret that we're not college football junkies. We're not experts. We haven't been crushing tape like a lot of our friends in the media have been doing over the past couple months. But there's some juicy NFC storylines entering this draft that I do think it'd be a disservice to our listeners if we didn't offer a bit of our take on on what's going to go on. So we're we're trying to tee up and preview the draft a little bit today and i'm sure we'll wrap it up once we know who has been picked by whom in the nfc east uh come next week uh i think the biggest thing is we've got three nfc least teams drafting back to back to back in the early parts of the tens in the first round after the eagles traded back from sixth overall to 12 overall um, what do you think, what do you think is going to happen with that? I mean, it seems like a lot of, like, I've already seen reports that the Eagles might try to trade back into the top 10. They might want to trade down again. I've seen reports that the the Giants may trade back. Gettleman saying weird stuff about rookies and things. He like, always does that. <laughs> Gettleman like, like, things will be, like, normal. Like There's a part of me that's, like, despite our, even our own ignorance to the rookies that are actually available to be drafted, I even feel like us previewing it is going to be moot because one of these three teams is going to do something absolutely insane on yeah. draft day, either a trade or just, like, a player. Like, they'll reach back at, like, the depths of their draft board and find, like, a great culture fit that was graded as a fifth-round yeah. guy or something and take him 13 overall or something. Exactly. Like, it's something's going to happen like that that will just render everything we'll say as moot. Um, but, I mean, I'm looking forward to that back-to-back-to-back. That's going to be fun no matter what. <laughs> yeah, what I love about it is that two of the three, Jerry Jones and Dave Gettleman, like, the draft like buzz will just be humming along and then one of them will say something like i'm horny for mac jones <laughs> and just throw everyone like completely off the rails oh man horny for mac jones <laughs> i need me some quarterbacks baby uh, um like i want to hear your i want to hear your thoughts on like like who has the potential to screw over whom the most in those like like what guy gets picked by either the Cowboys or the Giants that screws over the Eagles or the Cowboys that screws over the Giants do the Eagles also trade up to potentially screw over them both do does Washington potentially trade up into the the, the yeah. top 10 to screw over all three 
Like, how do you see those picks kind of falling? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think the Giants and the Eagles share the most similarities in that they're both kind of being charted towards offensive skill position players, whether that's Pitts or uh, Devonta Smith, you know, some sort of tight end or running backs, or I'm sorry, tight end or wide receiver for both of them is kind of the play. Whereas the Cowboys, we've talked about their depth issues a lot, and especially in the last couple of days, they've had some legal issues with one of their with one of their cornerbacks, I believe, that might be, uh, probably should talk about that, you know, in, as we get closer to the season, but things that might make them consider the secondary, which is a big issue for them, as well as their offensive line, which is aging. So Rashawn Slater's on the table. I think the big question is, if the Eagles stay at 12, which I think they will, do the Giants have the opportunity to take that final wide receiver like Waddle or Smith off the board and put the Eagles in kind of a precarious position where suddenly they have to go cornerback or maybe they take Slater just as best pick available? Like, what happens? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. The... We, we're referencing a, a website on our end that has basically an aggregate of the mock drafts and, and, and what's basically like how many people are picking a certain player for each team. And it's interesting the the giants and Eagles exactly. You said back to back is basically Waddle or Smith, whoever's available at the pick is like the consensus pick for either of those two teams. Right. Well, the interesting <laughs> is, is, I think a lot of the the top 10 is going to be determined by the quarterbacks that get picked and where specifically you've got this like Trey Lance wild card now where it seems pretty likely that three QBs are going to be gone before you hit pick five this year. We know yeah. that Trevor Lawrence is going to go first overall. We know that um, the jets are going to pick Zach Wilson, most likely. And then I think it's very unlikely then that the Niners or any other team, any quarterback needy team is going to pass on Justin Fields as yeah. the third overall best quarterback um, after those two are now officially off the board, right? I think a lot of what happens after five um will depend on whether there's a team, maybe Washington, that wants to hop up and take Trey Lance, right? Or are they willing to sit and wait and see, like, whether Mac Jones falls somewhere in the teens and then move up, right? Um, like, my question is, is basically who takes Trey Lance and doesn't go top 10? Because if you have four quarterbacks gone in the top 10, that basically pushes every other position later. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that that pretty much guarantees for like the Cowboys, for example, that two of Waddle and Devonta Smith are going to be available. I think yeah. Jamar Chase probably still gone, as I understand it. Um, my guess is that Pitts is probably gone too, the way people are talking, although that's an interesting conversation to be had. Um, but I think I think at least two of those three of Smith, Waddle, Pitts are going to be there for at least the Cowboys. And then one of those two is going to be there for the Giants. And it's just a question of if either the Giants or the Cowboys 
the two people who we just said make insane decisions go <laughs> off the rails, which honestly I would be okay with. That's a separate conversation. But um, well, then we but, all know that then the Eagles are going to reach back into like right. a second round graded like right. speedster who's, defensive who's the number end two or wide receiver for the <laughs> UCLA Bruins last year. <laughs> That's who have will take. Yeah, there's also a part of me that just hates that Waddle and Smith are like the kind of like one a one B whoever falls to the Eagles is going to be the one they pick. That's the conversation just because I know that whatever, if there's a wide receiver position marking next to their name and they're not drafted yeah, like in the second or third round by the Eagles, they're probably not going to pan out. Like, <laughs> right. And it's also concerning that it's like, they're not the same player, you know, yeah. like people, I think people like, like what I just did group them together because they're, mocked so close to one another but they're really very different and yeah and provide totally different like outcomes for a team depending on their scheme you know yeah honestly just coasting in with my like eagles fan hope i actually hope that they just take jc horn and call it a day <laughs> like i'm assuming that patrick sertan is going to be off the board and to me it's like I'd rather just have a solid second corner since we already have Darius Slay aging out. And I really just don't trust a skill position player coming in this year into this offense and making a huge impact. Right. I'd rather just invest in like a structural cornerstone secondary piece and just get him on that contract than put a skill position player in a hard position to succeed with like a quarterback that the team has indicated they don't believe in with a line that is like half young and unproven and half old and constantly injured. Um, it just, it doesn't seem like a ripe position like maybe even the giants would be in a best case scenario for like a skilled position player to come in. Right. I think the other thing with the Eagles is just the sunk cost question. Mm-hmm. Now that's you're normally posed as a fallacy, but it does become how many seasons can you commit high draft picks to your wide receiving core when the rest of your team starts to falter because of a lack of depth because of you haven't been committing that talent elsewhere. That's yeah. that is exactly how I feel as well. Where there is a very loud part of me that's like, we already drafted Jalen Rager last year in the first round. And just almost on principle, I don't want to sink consecutive years into wide receiver just because you think you didn't hit last year right. on wide receiver. Which right? also might not even be true. Yeah. Rager could still be a guy. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I think that we have kind of a gimme year next year to figure that out, you know, yeah. like, and would you rather have, two potential first round busts at wide receiver on your roster <laughs> yes. that you have to like figure out and, and carry for the next couple of years? Or would you rather roll that dice on an actual position of need because Jalen Mills isn't here. Yeah. None of the corners that we've drafted later than the first round have really panned out for the Eagles in the under Howie Roseman and the Jim Schwartz era. Like I'd rather roll the dice on a defender of that caliber just because to me, it's a safer position given how the roster is constructed right now. Yeah. That's my that's my hope. And my honestly, 
my hope is that Sertan squeaks by Dallas, even though they clearly also need secondary help. And yeah. that's who we wind up with at 12. Right. Um, but given the fact that, and, and said, you know, unless Jerry Jones is like, hey, Dak might break another foot. <laughs> like, let's yeah. get Mac Jones in here. <laughs> You know? Viagra, <laughs> <laughs> like I, I really think that Sertan's probably going to go to Dallas, right? If that I had does, to guess, it, <laughs> if I had to guess, it's going to be Sertan, Waddle, and then either like Horn or a trade down from the Eagles. So here's here's a question, just to run through it: Who would you least in order? It sounds like we know who you most want the Eagles to take. Mm-hmm. Who would you, who would you least want the Cowboys to take? Who would you most want them to take? That's like, a who great would you be question. afraid of? If, I, I should have put this in the outline. I just thought about this, but yeah, I would. With the Cowboys, I would dislike it if I would dislike two scenarios. I would dislike it if they actually drafted in a way that makes sense to me and took a highly rated tackle or lineman like if Panay Sewell drops or if like Rayshon Slater was available there and they actually bulked up their offensive line a bit more um, that would be scary for me or if they did the Jerry thing and continued to double down on skill position players and took like Pitts or something like that too and just sort of trusted that they could maybe coach up some late round linemen you know and, and, and plug the holes that way that would be my two, like, I'd be annoyed if the Cowboys went in that direction. Yeah, mine it would be, I think for both the Cowboys and the Eagles, I'd be terrified if they took Devonta Smith, just because I'm now on the record as thinking he's just going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't, I don't want to both be wrong and have to watch myself be wrong every game for the next eight years or something. Um. And I'd also be, you know, I don't know. I know Micah Parsons has like do you re- some character. Do you really think? Yeah. Do you really think that? Oh, Micah Parsons is actually a. I would be afraid if they took Micah Parsons. Yeah, just Cowboys linebackers always. Right. Like I feel like. I feel like that's the one position where you could go in being graded at any level and come out a better player on the Cowboys. Like they just have great linebackers, no matter how they were scouted. Yeah. Before. And they and also, actually get like the Cowboys bump at that position and already be that great at run defending, blitzing and tackling. Like I'd be afraid of that, that Cowboys linebacker core. And that's what I, I, I think that that like Parsons has the potential to be in a meet. Like I think the Cowboys are a win now type of team. Yeah. More or less. And I think Parsons might have a better chance of being a contributor who just disrupts games and kind of, is able to freestyle in a way that like, you know, a corner, a cornerback might not be able to, you know, even if the cornerback is more developmental long-term and helpful, Parsons might be able to do more tomorrow. Do you really think that Jerry, I mean, this might be the, the wild card Jerry pick, but like, do you really think after taking CD lamb already having Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper under contract that he would take a fourth, like X, caliber wide receiver (laughs) no but also (laughs) do i want to tempt fate like it's once again it's jerry like yeah spin the wheel dude who knows 
<laughs> he could. Do you think he can play safety? Do you think? <laughs> That's what I said about J.C. Horn. I was like, just put J.C. Like, J.C. Horn, you know, draft him as a cornerback if you're the Eagles and then be like, hey, like, your dad taught you how to, like, you know, shake off a press coverage, right? Like, yeah. do that on the other side. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pay. You're, you have two shots to make it work. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I guess similarly with the, uh, with the Giants, um, I would hate it. I am I I'm probably even more bullish on their offense next year than you are because well, definitely yeah <laughs> I would hate it if they actually put the cherry on top and took like Waddle or Smith like you know and just like gave themselves an actual receiving threat like I don't think Galladay is I think he's really good he's better than Golden Tate <laughs> and uh, Sterling uh, Shepard but to actually uh, to actually have a stud potential stud wide receiver on that roster on top of hopefully Saquon being healthy. Like at that point, like Daniel Jones is the only reason why that offense wouldn't work, you know, which could happen. And it's probably, if I'm a betting man, I'm also probably betting in that direction, but I don't even want to, I don't even want to imagine the giants with a chance of being great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I think I want Slater for the Giants just because I you know I love my offensive line infrastructure and I think he he could play that right guard position that the Giants just kind of they just cut Kevin Zeitler and it's pretty open um, and I, I like I like investing a high pick in a position that if it pans out you'll have the guy under reasonable contract for like eight years you know if you want him. Yeah. So I think that's that's my move, but I do think they're going to go in that, you know, game-breaking potential wide receiver direction. I see that. I I would also it would be interesting to see if especially if Sewell drops cuz I've seen a few mock drafts where both Slater and Sewell make it into the NFC East territory. I think that I think all three of these teams would be wise to take an offensive lineman, but I think maybe the Eagles may be the only one to actually do it given the chance. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, sorry, I think who I'd hate the Giants to take is uh, is Pay, the defensive ends, kind of like a athletic, a lot of potential, not a lot of results type of guy right now. We'd probably play linebacker in the Giants three four, but I think it's just the the D line depth does not sound good this year, and I think it's a miss a misallocation of Giants resources where they're going to rely on a pass rush that really rely on a secondary to generate time for the pass rush no matter what, and I don't see a rookie D lineman changing that too much. I would hate that if I were you <laughs> as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I I mean I was, I, was, I would love it if the Giants reached for an edge um that high that probably didn't deserve to go that high just because he was an edge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that's um, what I'm concerned about. Yeah, that would be a that would be a dream scenario for me. Um I would also say for me, I would love if the Giants also like reached basically the giants are in that prime like we're gonna reach for a need 
territory. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that like if Gettleman isn't wise and just like takes a good person, they can be screwed over. Right. So I think just I'll scroll down this list and just like list any player like at any position lower than like graded 15 overall on a big four. Yeah. (laughs) It's like someone I can imagine Gettleman talking himself into because he's such a football guy or something. Right. That is in a way it's like best player available taken too far. Yeah. Which is weird because we're just talking about how positions of need. But Gettleman just being like, this is a guy that I love and I won't let him fall past me. Yes. It is not objectively best player available. It is Gettleman's best player available, (laughs) which is operating on a completely different scale and metric than (laughs) (laughs) much like Avogadro's number. Nobody really knows (laughs) what it is or how it was constructed. Oh man. Um I guess I already kind of gave my my Eagles. I mean, JC Horn is not like my dream Eagles get. Like, obviously, I wish some other players fall and it becomes like an interesting uh, decision to make there. I just feel like assuming every other team above the Eagles are rational actors, you know, it, it he's the best of what I anticipate will probably be there given what the Eagles need. Yeah. Um, my dream get would be, um, I mean, you know this. I would love it if like Lance fell out and like quarterback was a right. discussion there. That would be fun. Um, I would honestly be excited if I I I kind of like Jalen Waddle more than Devonta Smith, at least for the Eagles. Um, sure. I would love it if he was in discussion there, even though I just said I would not want the Eagles to draft wide receivers to year in a row. Um, just cause it would be interesting. And I do think Waddle maybe at least from what I've seen of him, he might be the one kind of like sure bet in terms of like translating to the NFL. He's got size, he's got speed. You know what I mean? I can see him yeah. playing a role. Whereas like Smith and um, Chase, I just think Chase is clearly number one, but like what make them special? Like I could see not working on the NFL level. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then what, what would I hate if the Eagles, honestly, I would also at this point, I wouldn't mind if the draft board falls a certain way, if they also traded back and got more picks. Cause I, I think, I I think that Roseman is a volume shooter, not a, uh, (laughs) a specialist. (laughs) So like, I'm sort of, I'm sort of, I'm not, I may, I may diverge from other Eagles fans who just want us to take potential blue chippers no matter what, where I'm just like, give, give Roseman as many shots in the barrel as possible. He's going to hit on like four of them. (laughs) He'll hit on 30%, you know? (laughs) I like that barrel reference, not being about a gun, but being about like fish in a barrel. (laughs) Even Howie, if you give him enough ammunition, we'll hit some of these fish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I, I I hope and trust that the Eagles have a short list of like 10 to 15 players. Let's say 10 players because they're drafting at 12 and 15 would mean one of those players is there. 
I hope they have a short list of 10 players that they'd love to have at 12. Yeah. Hope that one of them falls. And if one doesn't, that they have the strength to just trade out of that position instead of forcing a player that doesn't fit that top 10. Yep. And I think that there could be some uh, wild cards above them at 12 that would force things to where one of their top 10 sneaks out to 12. So we'll see. Um, what, who I would hate is uh typical Roseman reach for players that he has a fetish for. So anyone from Florida, any undersized defensive end, yeah. any, <laughs> any like, second round graded tackle that he wants because he's a tackle you know that would be my my worst case scenario what about washington washington i mean i would hate it if they actually did trade up and tried to get trey lance um i think i'd hate it if they took mac jones where he is too where they are rather i mean i i I not like that that I said trade up for Trey Lance first, just because I think Trey Lance is better than Mac Jones. But I think just in general, I'm afraid of them getting a first round caliber quarterback. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm afraid of. The idea of like a new Rivera regime, Washington team, getting that a potential franchise piece to go along with Chase Young, even if he's not the most highly rated guy right now, the quarterback that is, um, that that's scarier than any alternative. And I think I'd be the most okay with them taking one of these boring offensive tackles that I don't like Darisaw or something that I don't really know a whole lot about, but just feel like fine picks. Yeah. I mean, where they're drafting, unless where they're drafting, unless they do trade up, they're just going to get a good player that already slots in to like an already kind of good roster around the quarterback. Like quarterback is what they, they need more than anything. And it always kind of felt that Haskins was kind of like a compulsory pick for them because they've always needed a quarterback. But like, I think even Mac Jones objectively is a better quarterback than Haskins was coming out. Yeah, I think I think Jones might be rated higher by some people than Daniel Jones or Haskins. Probably, yeah. From that draft, it just kind of felt like. Washington knew they needed a quarterback, so they took Haskins, sure. you know? And also, um, it is it is one of those situations, it's almost like a fallacy, where if you're drafting in the late teens and a first-round graded quarterback falls to you, it's kind of like, let's just take him, you know? Yeah. I was like, we don't, I don't even care what rating we have on the guy. Like, he's a first-round quarterback. We're in the first round. Yeah. You've got to get those guys when you can, you know? All that to say is I, I just feel like – I feel like I, – I, whether it's just Rivera playoff appearance. Like I feel like this year, a a Washington quarterback has less of a chance to be a bust, which makes me nervous. (laughs) All right. Uh, I think we can wrap up the draft talk. I'm excited to see how this falls. I'm sure we're going to have interesting conversations uh, about how this all shakes out. um, Once it's done. What do you what do you want to do? Do you want to do do you want to do a quick take around the league and then talk a little bit about what the rest of the offseason is going to look like? Yeah, let's do a take around the league. I can start yeah. it. Uh, the NFL draft is for losers. <laughs> um, we just spent thirty minutes talking about it. Yeah, we are we losers. 
yes. <laughs> but also, we our whole topic is about losers. Yeah, Every yeah, team yeah. Is a it's loser. a bit. That's why <laughs> it has to be discussed. Like, n- neither you were, correct me if I'm wrong, neither you nor I really wanted to talk about the draft. Because we're not big draft heads, truly, right? Yeah. But we literally had to, because all of our teams are so bad. That it's important. You can't. We're not sitting here at the twenty eighth through the thirtieth picks, being like, "Hey, look, we're bringing back a stack roster." I don't. We're gonna take Najee Harris and be fine. Whatever. It's like these are critical pieces for the organization that demand we evaluate them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think uh, the whole thing is for losers. If you're in, if you're in the back half of the draft and you're a fan of like the Saints or somebody, you should just tune out any draft talk. Just don't even listen to it. It's not it's not that fun. Yeah. I do think the I think the attention around the first round of the draft is kind of all undue prop pomp and circumstance just to make it an, an entertaining thing. Like I think very few actual franchise changing picks end up coming out of the first round in any given year. Like let's say five. Yeah to six end up being marquee guys in any given draft, you know? And that's like less than one fifth of the players taken in the first round, but it gets an entire primetime slot and every player is hyped up. Like it's going to be the change. And we talk about it for so long. For me, the draft is more of a volume thing. Like I know I joked that about that with Roseman and I I joke about it because I think he's bad at it. But like I think in any like even good teams that draft well, it's more about f- finding deep value in later rounds for that players that then become like role players and contributors yeah. than it is about like finding the next marquee blue chipper that you can build a team around. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So much of it is about getting cheap depth. You know. Yeah. Controlled contracts for four years or whatever. exactly, and it's it's pivotal, and I and. I actually enjoy talking about the draft after it happens and trying to project where pieces can fit once I know yeah. who's been picked than yeah. I do trying to evaluate these players and then project where they might go in any given round. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just give me the answers to the test and I'll judge whether it's <laughs> right or not. I'll mark right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, I hear you. NFL drafts are for losers. I love it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out, you know, Kyle Pitts is for losers. <laughs> Kyle Pitts is a loser. Kyle Pitts is a loser. I think that we, we've, we've gone back and forth about this, about how neither of us wanted Pitts for either of our teams because tight ends, athletic tight ends rarely pan out. If they do, they can sometimes become more of a hindrance to an offense than an enabler of a championship level offense. In our view, I think both of us ascribe to the uh, the high volume blocking tight end versus the athletic game breaking tight end. And yeah. I think that the hybrids like the Travis Kelsey's and the uh, George Kittles of the worlds are like the, the, the apex. I just don't know 
like even if you hit on Pitts and he is this great player, like what what is a team going to do? They're going to line up a second contract and sink millions of dollars into a tight end position and trap that money in a position that can't actually yeah. break the game. Yeah. No. No, I think he's the he's the biggest bust potential of any first round projected pick. And I'm, I want to stay away from him. And when I say this, I know that means the Eagles going to draft him. <laughs> <laughs> I that would be Howie's way of getting around the wide receiver sunk cost thing that we talked yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I'm on the same page. I think when you have a, an elite tight end, which Pitts could be, he could be an elite tight end, but does that help you really win games a lot? Especially when that tight end is not a great blocker, which yeah. I think is important and which Pitts is not supposedly. You know, it's one thing if it's Gronk and it's like, okay, every time he's on the field, no matter what he's doing, he's helping the offense. He flows very naturally. Pitts, I think quarterbacks are going to be like, I have this guy. I need to force feed him the ball. And it's actually going to be a little disruptive to, you know, your scheme or your game plan as an offense. Um, I also think, like, I think there's just, there's so many tight ends, great tight ends who have never won anything tony gonzalez i think played in one playoff game i think the giants beat him back in the day um you know jason witten never won anything uh antonio gates you know like a lot of like objectively great tight ends they just don't move the needle in the way that you would hope a premier edge rusher or a quarterback does yeah that's not saying you always have to draft edge rushers or quarterbacks but just be a little more circumspect about building the infrastructure of a team. That infrastructure does not start with a tight end. I think it's just because the what's great about the tight end position, but what also kind of works against it is that it is one of the most amorphous positions on the field in terms of yeah. what you're asking the player to do. And I feel like a lot of these tweener guys, guys that don't have the maybe the the body control and athleticism to be an elite outside wide receiver, but also like, you know, but also like can beat players just based on their like physical skills and maybe can line up better at tight end, yeah. like fall kind of into a trap of like, well, you're not as great as like, I don't know, Justin Jefferson or Stefan mm-hmm. Diggs on the outside, but also you can't really do what like Travis Kelsey can do yeah. in line blocking or like really working over the middle. All you are is like a, like a art, like a wingspan and size mismatch, right. which I think even that advantage gets lessened at the NFL level compared to just him basically not even having to jump over guys to have a, ball hung up for him in college you know like i i don't know i i i think i did mention that i'd be afraid if the cowboys took him because i just feel like maybe an offense like that that already has established weapons besides him kind of gives him the free reign to not be relied on while they can figure out what his best role is and how he, you know, put tape down. If he can't block, like how can we mitigate that? 
they get him involved. But if you're like a weapon starving offense, like I don't see how you build around Pitts. You know what I mean? Right. He's not. He's not a building block in that way. I. Th- I, yeah. I honestly think a lot of our skepticism is also rooted in Evan Ingram. At least it is yeah. for me. Like because he does. He's exactly that tweener. It's like, oh my god, he's a tight end, and he ran a four four. But then it's like, but he doesn't block like a tight end, and he doesn't have the physicality of a tight end, which I'm told Pitts does have. But point aside, it's like then he's not a tight end. He's just a big wide receiver, yeah. which could yeah. be valuable. But isn't the same like oh monster mismatch potential that you feel like you're getting when you have a freak tight end, yeah, you know. So that, that's what I would be weary of. Is just like, am I sinking money into a glorified number two possession receiver? You know, is Kyle Pitts like Anquan Bolden? He's like a really great receiver. Like that would be like a great outcome. I feel like, but like that's a receiver. That's not a tight end. You know, what are you drafting for? Yeah. Is, uh, is Kyle Pitts going to be more Anquan Bolden or Richard Rogers? We'll have to see. That classic spectrum of Richard Rogers to Anquan Bolden. <laughs> that we judge all tweener right. tight ends by. I think Anquan Bolden would have been a, a filthy, I know he's a little small for a tight end, but he would have been a filthy tight end. Just saying. Yeah. Kyle Pitts is a loser. I really just, <laughs> we had been talking about that so much over the past couple of months yeah. that I had to bring it into the pod. You know? I knew you were, were going to hit with that one. Yeah. Even though it was basically a back more backdoor draft talk. This is a very draft heavy episode. I'm it's proud of us. That's why it's stupid because it's all <laughs> <to talk> about. <laughs> well, One thing I think we want to tease before we close is once the draft is concluded, we want to have some fun this summer while we wait for training camps to get started, especially since it seems like a lot of workouts and stuff are going to be remote and teams won't be really reporting and putting tape on um, for us to watch until August. So we, when the draft concludes at some point this summer, we'll be starting an all 2000s NFC least team. Williams and I have both committed to creating our ideal 22-man rosters across all four teams in the NFC East as if we're playing Madden 2008 and we're confined to the then Washington Redskins, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Cowboys, and we'll try to pick the best teams we can. We're really living up to our names as... We only watch football now (laughs) (laughs) and before 2010. Yes. To tease some things some more, the debates that I think are going to be really fun are the the offensive line debate in general. That'll be great. The the running back debate, I think, has huge potential. There's like five running backs that come to mind as all-time great NFC East icons for the 2000s. and this is just the 2000s. This is not the 2010s, right? Yeah. Just the 2000s. There's a couple. There's quite a few. I think originally we were just going to do 22 players, but as I'm thinking through it right now, I think we have to ascribe by the Roseman quarterback factory doctrine and say every team needs a great backup, and we also need to pick the best backup quarterback. 
in the NFC East. Just a quarterback? Oh, no. oh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh, that could be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> like not like not like pick the second best starting yeah, quarterback yeah, yeah, yeah. as the backup on it, but we have to pick the best backup from an NFC East team during the season. We should do that for everything. Make this really impossible. Dude, that's such a good idea. Who is that who is the backup for Westbrook, the power backup in like the Early two thousands. God, his name escapes me. Well, there is Deuce Daly. There is uh, also Dorsey Levens for Dorsey a minute. Yeah. Dorsey <laughs> Daly, obviously. Dorsey Levens is like <laughs> TJ Duckett team. <laughs> Goal line guy. <laughs> I'd be down to do it. I wouldn't be down to do it for every position since we are already doing like three wide receivers. I think halfback would be fun. You know what we should do? I yeah. think just because the 2000s had some amazing thunder and lightning pairings yeah. at, in the backfield, I think I think we have to do two halfbacks, but it has to fit the thunder and lightning mold, right? We need like you can't pick yeah, two yeah, scat yeah. backs if it you're going to pick like two. Clayton Portis and Tiki Barber, exactly yeah. right. It has to be like pick your Westbrook, your your Portis, your you yeah. know your Barber, but then pick the Bruiser that you're going to pair him with right. in like a thunder and in a classic <laughs> 2000s NFC thunder and lightning vacuum. I like that a lot. I feel like there was a Redskins bruiser who Waddell Betts. Yeah. Oh, TJ Tucker did play for the Redskins. Holy shit. Dude. This is and yeah, just Betts. also, I this is a very Eagles consideration, but in the bruiser, I will also accept the like tweener Andy Reid fullbacks as, as the bruiser. Oh yeah, well. sure. So like sure. your Thomas yeah. Tapes, your yeah. Leonard Weavers, your Giants, Giants have Henry Hynoski, Madison yeah. Hedgehog, yeah. <laughs> Leonard Weaver, another classic. Man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you all will join us on our all two thousands uh, <laughs> adventure. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, send us a mailbag. Don't send the us the fan fiction yet. Yeah, don't save your <laughs> save your Mac Jones, Jerry Jones fan fiction. We'll be back next week. Well, not next week, the week after um, with a little bit of a draft wrap up. And then you'll hear from us um, sometime later in the summer. All right, man. This was fun. This was fun to get back at it a bit. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Bye.